All right. Um, happy to go, Raymond. All right. So we're hitting record. Uh, what episode is this, by the way? 34, I think. You're supposed to count and keep the numbers. Is it 34, 35? Well, anyway, I'm, I'm very excited <laughs> to have our guest in today, Kirby Gordon, Chief Marketing Officer, Fly Safair. Before we start, it's not paid for by Safair. We love Safair, but it's not paid for. Just to be, you know, Kirby's here on his own volition. So. Thanks for your time, but I really appreciate it. Congratulations. I mean, I think FlySafe have just done incredible things over the last few years. And the last time you and I actually spoke face-to-face, -face, we did a story on travel in South Africa during COVID. Yeah. And I remember standing with you um, and looking around, and I think it was 15 or 16 different planes, and you were like, well, this is our airline. Yeah. I know that's a lot more today, yeah. and things are, are going well, and you must be working pretty hard at the moment. Jeez, no, we are. Thanks so much for the opportunity, man. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's been a it's been an absolutely wild time. I mean, that that moment of standing there and looking at it was like, you know, your heart was sat in the bottom of your belly because you know we don't like seeing airplanes on the ground. Yeah. We like to see them in the in the sky. Uh, but yeah, the the journey since then has been absolutely phenomenal. I mean, in the last um, we've had about a two month break now, but the fourteen months preceding that, we put fourteen new airplanes on the line. So it's been, we've been hopping, but it's been great. It's been an amazing opportunity. And awards, uh, yet another, the Skytrax Award, congratulations. Thank That's you. amazing. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, no, we're super proud of that. It's, um, it's an amazing accolade. It's lovely to be kind of uh, received. And we like awards like that one that are, that are actually voted for by users, yeah. you know? I think it, it means less when it's a kind of panel of aviation experts, so to speak, that are reviewing you and kind of looking at you in an isolated environment. But when it's actually your customers that are feeding back and giving you those ratings, that that means a lot to us. Kirby, I've got to ask you, and, and we'll get back to your journey because you weren't always in, in aviation. There was a period where you were uh, doing something else, and we'll get to mm. that, if my research is uh, you know, accurate. <laughs> um, but you must have an incredibly thick skin um, and a permanent smile, forced smile at times, <laughs> because I imagine, especially in the travel industry, with human beings traveling, with, de with times, deadlines, prices, all sorts of things, Things can get a little bit hairy at times. Yeah, look, it's a, I mean, it's a fascinating industry, and I guess that's part of what um, you know makes it hard, but also makes it so thrilling to be part of. I mean, you know, in the early days, it was it, it almost felt like one of those bad jokes. You know, it was like a parastatal, a listed company, and a private entity <laughs> walk into a bar. Right, what's going to happen? You know, so, <laughs> things are a little different these days, but yeah. um, but it is. It's a fascinating industry, and and people are, are are passionate about it. You know, which is which is great. I mean, once upon a time, I used to work in insurance and not stating insurance people, but no one really wanted to talk. <laughs> about it at dinner parties. <laughs> you know? yeah, I don't know if I'd have you on, you know, <laughs> even though you are a fascinating human being. But um, let's, let's talk about that. I mean, the Kalahari.com days, I mean, uh, that's uh, an interesting chapter in your life. And, and what's sort of preceded that and, and where you are today, I mean, it's been an incredible journey. Did you ever think you would end up, you know, with a, a, a brand like Flash and and changing the game? Because you guys have changed the game. Yeah, no, it's, it, it wasn't necessarily something that I had seen sort of in the in the in the early days of my career. I mean, I started off. I got to a point where I, I really fell in love with the idea of e-commerce and selling things online, um, and that was really the kind of golden thread that worked through that. And I came into it from a from a marketing angle. So I, I had the opportunity. I worked with Sunlum for a while, and we worked a lot on sort of online advice models and on online uh, 
marketing and, and various different things that we could do to try and get more and more people interested in insurance. Um, and then the opportunity at Kalahari came along, and that was really an opportunity to get my hands dirty in kind of e-commerce of the day, you know, general retail in that environment. And and so that was a fascinating journey that, um, that I had for a while. And then things changed in the world, and this airline came knocking, and I mean, I wasn't going to do it. It was in Joburg. I lived in Cape Town. <laughs> I was, I was about to say. <laughs> it was like, but I sort of thought, you know, at the time, well, Perhaps I should start interviewing. It's a bit like dating, right? So get yourself back in the game and go and do it. And uh, one thing led to another and absolutely no regrets. eh? Nine years now. Nine years. Hmm. And did you find that the lessons you've taken out of your Kalahari days into Safair that they've applied across there? Because that e-commerce, because we can see with the way that you've marketed Safair that there's that is an influence there. So that's why I'm curious how much of that have you taken across with you into this sort of now it's a nine year chapter of your life mm-hmm. so far. No, absolutely. And I think, you know, that's always one of the things that I think is wonderful about a career in marketing or even a career in, in accounting, anything that's kind of a corporate service is that you have the opportunity to gain kind of deep knowledge in various different verticals as you move through your career mm-hmm. on your discipline, you know. Um, and so that was the wonderful opportunity in marketing was to be able to look at insurance and then to move on and look at retail and now to be able to be in the travel space and and pull the kind of breadth of knowledge yeah. downwards, if that makes sense. So, so that was definitely a, a great opportunity. But I mean, this is also come with its own disciplines that have been fascinating. Um, you know, the kind of intensity and scrutiny on cost optimization and efficiencies that we do throughout every element of the business is, is something that I know whatever comes next will, you know, will, will live with me for a long time, I'm sure. Yeah, because I mean, people probably look at it and go, oh, it's easy to run an airline. There's lots of money on each seat, but that's not the case. I mean, how many airlines Touchwood for Safe, of course, mm. have failed over the last two decades. We had what Velvet Sky, you, even of, of late, we had uh, S Express, mm. Kalula. Mm. So you guys are clearly doing something right, and you've you've got that formula right because I suppose it's about bums and seats and being on time and providing something that's cost effective in a way. Yeah. But for me, what's interesting is how many people still travel, considering the socioeconomic climate of South Africa yeah. and the economic circumstances that we all face. Yet. Whenever we fly, and we've almost taken it for granted now when we fly, get onto a plane, that that airplane is packed, man. Yeah, yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, look, I mean, it's, you know, uh, flight and air connectivity is like a, it's an essential economic um, enabler. So it's an interesting thing because it's, it becomes like a bit of a chicken and an egg game. You need a you need a healthy economy, you need a growing economy and a, and a base of customers that can afford to fly. Often it's a leisure purchase, so it's kind of conspicuous consumption. It's sort of the first thing that mm-hmm. might go. But by the same token, it's also this incredible enabler to be able to grow the tourism industry, which gives people jobs, which gives them money. So it's, it's, it's a constant kind of cycle, the two of them that go together. Um, I think the the industry now, I mean, as we sit here today, it's 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 still not entirely recovered from mm-hmm. a supply and demand perspective to what we'd known sort of pre-pandemic. Uh-huh. Um, you know, we're probably about eighty odd percent of the way there, um, so it's getting close. But there's still a little bit of recovery that I think we can we can see before we're back to where we were. I I imagine for you as someone who's 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 pulling the strings in terms of the marketing, if I could put it that way. When you start introducing sales and these sort of ideas, I know you have a team with you. Mm. Uh, and, and often when I've texted you and I've been pestering you to get you on the podcast, I'm in a board meeting, I'm about to do this. I'm like, <laughs> it's, I, get, I get it. But the the nine rand sale, and that's, how did that sort of come about? Because people look at it and go, nine rand? Absolutely, I'm yeah. going to jump on the website. So, yeah. so I think congratulations on that. It's been amazing. 
Thanks. Yeah, that was that was actually. A, I mean, that was an interesting thing. I mean, I, I mean, I'll be honest. The the idea was not one that we came up with originally. I mean, it's something that we'd seen being done in Europe, but um, it was actually kind of a, a strange story. So we, when we first started out, we'd been going for about a year, and an opportunity was presented to the airline where we had three aircraft that were due to come into our fleet. They were bigger than the aircraft that we were operating at the time, but that was going to pretty much double the size of our fleet. And we'd been this plucky little airline that had been doing the best they could in the beginning, and now suddenly we had this opportunity that was presented to us, but we needed a step change that was going to be super quick you yeah. know, to get out of the gates. Um, and so the the guys came to me and they said, well, look, we need, a, you know, the typical thing that always gets presented to marketing people, <laughs> how much do you need? You know, How long is a piece of string? Um, and what are the kind of plans? So we sat down and we and we looked at the plans and you know I think as you normally do you kind of go out with a bit of a conservative view and we said well you know here's a great TV campaign and this is what we could do there and here's something that's a little bit more integrated with a whole lot of different media or we have this wild idea <laughs> you know let's let's yeah. give a whole lot of flights away for one rand um, hey, that's so right it was one rand it right? was one rand yeah, the first wow. time around yeah and so um, we decided to bite the bullet and go for that. And uh, it was a disaster. <laughs> we sold all the tickets, but the traffic to the website was just so overwhelming. Um, I mean, things just went completely wrong. Um, it certainly got our name on people's lips, maybe not for the right reasons that year, but, um, but it got some awareness going, which I guess Absolutely. was kind of served us in, in, in some capacity. Um, but what we realized afterwards is that, you know, A, we were then determined to get it right. And every time we kept doing that, it was like it was like running the comrades every year, you know, and it still is. And I think there's the, one of the big values for us. It's not just nice from a marketing perspective because it gets a lot of attention, but we need to be so on our game when we do that sale from on every level of the business, the IT infrastructure, the pricing infrastructure, the call center, the social media yeah. team, the marketing needs to be like, completely unambiguous it's it's our little comrades that we run once a year and you know if we can keep fit to that level then we hope that kind of serves the business in the long run do you get much sleep because i know the organizers of Absolutely the comrades not. don't get sleep well they don't sleep the night before no, <laughs> i was like oh my god my phone <laughs> the day after that first sale i was literally I, my whole body was sore and i realized because we've been up all night and i'd been like hunched over my computer watching the analytics like this with my shoulders in my ears and i was actually physically sore for about a week afterwards As, but it it's, I mean, and I know now I think May, if I'm looking here, nine Rand tickets, and you had 1.5 million people yeah. tried to buy tickets. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's insane marketing. I mean, and, and that's something you must go like, wow, okay, that's how many people wanted these tickets. Yeah, no, it's epic. And I mean, it's also, it's indicative of the kind of the need and the interest out there, you know. I mean, people do, they want to get out and explore. They need to travel. They need to go places. They're looking for opportunities. Um, so there's always kind of a double-edged sword. It's not, you know, travel and leisure, it's, it always seems like it's a kind of sexy business that we're talking about holidays and good times. But there's a really kind of fundamental part to what we do as well, which, um, which is sometimes quite hard to confront you know yeah. we work with a we work closely with a, a charity and it's, it's not something that we do from a marketing perspective we use it sort of more on an internal perspective but they're an amazing crew called wings and wishes and what they do is they facilitate the travel portion of needs for children who are looking for medical attention. So a, a, a charity will help with facial reconstruction surgery or with cancer wow, or whatever amazing. the case is. And, and we fall in to help get the kids and their parents to the hospitals because oftentimes they're not near the hospitals that serve them. 
And um, I mean, it's just a, it's, we do it because it's a constant reminder to us and to our crew that, you know, sometimes travel facilitates not nice, but essential things. Yeah. And, and those are, that's a great example of that. Where can people find out more about that? Because that's amazing. So they, they've got a, a strong social media presence okay. and, a, and, a, and a website. So it's Wings and Wishes. If you just Google that, you'll, cool. you'll end up with them pretty quickly. Yeah, it's a fantastic organization. Um, speaking of which, I know the work is incredibly hectic, but I see that you try and take an opportunity to travel as much as you can. Uh, recently, US, I see you've done, was it yoga in Bali? That, yeah. <laughs> tell us a bit more about that. That's incredible. So you do spread your wings if you forgive the point. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. No, look, I mean, I'm, I'm personally very passionate about travel. Um, love to explore and see new places. Um, yeah, yoga is a is a is a is my hobby. I mean, it's my it's my sport passion that I do. And um, I decided a little while ago I sort of saved up a bit of leave. And I think post COVID we all needed a break, so I managed to negotiate a, a month off for a little bit of a sabbatical. And I decided to use that time to go and uh, do my training to become a, a yoga teacher. So um, yeah, so I did that in Indonesia, which was which was awesome. Yeah, yeah. As someone in marketing, I always like ask this to people: Are you always like looking at uh, for ideas or inspiration or you know, because I think sometimes if you are stuck in a certain place, there's the risk of an echo chamber and mm. maybe a little few stale ideas and not looking past that. But do you find travel gives you that little bit of sort of, you know, inspiration or some energy? Because it can also be quite demanding when the boss goes, uh, Kirby, what are your, what is your team coming up with? Yeah. What, 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 how are you going to sell more tickets? Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Look, we, we work with amazing partners across the board, and, and it is key. You know, you've got to keep, you keep it interesting. You've got to keep the noise out. You've got to keep it alive. Um, and it's fascinating to go and take a look and to take a look at other airlines operating in other spaces and what they kind of use to drive their, their marketing mm -hmm. or their theming or whatever it is that they're on about. So, so that certainly does provide um, a lot of inspiration along the way. But Travel in and of itself, just as the net by nature of what it is, you know, does bring quite a lot out there. Um, and I often have to say to the guys, you know, there's no there's no shortage of amazing marketing opportunities. Generally, the shortage is in budget. <laughs> you know, there are hundreds, there are hundreds exactly, of cool things you yeah. can do. <laughs> yeah, well, you all want to be Mr. Beast and do whatever we can. Do, I you know? mean, you know, it would be amazing. <laughs> I want to paint everything pink if we can. <laughs> um, out of interest, I mean, the the, the coloring of, of Sapphire, like where does, is that sort of to stand out? Was that sort of a, that's because it's such a unique combination in a way. Yeah. I'm by no means an artist or marketing expert, but it obviously catches the attention because we've seen the SAAs that have been there with their various tales and that, but Sapphire, like you look up and you're, ah, oh, Sapphire. Yeah, yeah. No, it, I mean, I have to confess that that predated me. And in hindsight, if I think about the organization that I joined nine years ago, which is very different to what it is today, <laughs> it's quite amazing that they signed off pink. To be yeah. fair. It was very much a blue organization. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, it was a good choice. You know, at that stage, um, I think color was quite a strong differentiator on the apron. Uh, we had orange aircraft that were there. We had bright green aircraft. Yeah. So you needed something that was going to be different and stand out. So and you're not allowed to say other airlines' names. I can say Kalula and no. Mango. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know how it is. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, yeah. it was a bright orange plane, and you're like, yeah. well, that's a mango. And Could, there's Kalula, and it's bright green. Couldn't miss it, yeah. But Couldn't you guys it. have got, firstly, a unique color, but I think also the fact that you've added the, the relationship with the Springbok brand has yeah. just sort of solidified that 
we're a proudly South African brand. You know, we're not operated by some other airline. You, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Like that connection to South Africa and the roots yeah. just, I think, elevated your brand even more. It did. You know, it came at an important time as well. I mean, there was there was this need and, and this sort of honest, sincere need to say, look, we are a, a, a truly South African company and we do stand for that. And that's that's actually in, in later years now become even more kind of relevant to us as time's gone on. But it was also quite a tricky period to operate in at that time because there was a, there was a lot that we had to do around credibility and I think you'd mentioned it earlier there had been you know a number of, of carriers that had come and gone and we were seemingly the new kids on the block we actually weren't because the company had been around for about yeah. 50 years before we started the airline but I don't, many people don't realize people that. didn't know yeah. that you know you've done the hard yards yeah you've done the yards <laughs> yeah. in a different capacity so it was this kind of question of all well, these are the new guys and how long are they going to be around for you know yeah and so, you know, when we really considered that and trying to, to, to overcome that challenge, to have the endorsement of the team behind us as their kind of chosen provider at that stage just did, um, you know, did great things. I'm curious. Um, often people who are in positions like yourself get so many different proposals from people wanting sponsorship and that sort of thing. How many do you get like on a weekly basis in your inbox? I'm sure it's mad. Probably about three a day. <laughs> Literally, I, 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 on, the, on the car on the way over here, I read two. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, obviously, like you have your marketing budget, so you yeah. have to stick within those parameters. But I'm sure if there's an incredible idea, you go, well, hang on a second, I'll take this to the team or something like that, right? I mean, there's, it's not all closed door. I mean, you'll look at some potential opportunities. Look, you've got to look at every opportunity. Yeah. You know, there's nothing that you can turn your back on. And, and you know, unfortunately, there's, you know, with a, with a limited budget, not everything makes sense. Um, like I say, there's, you know, there's no shortage of amazing opportunities out there to do awesome marketing. Yeah. We've got to choose the ones that fit into the mix the right way that, that uh, help us access new audiences that we don't maybe already have contact with. Um, and that really kind of create the sort of efficiency that we need in terms of that spend. And that's, that's a little bit of the e-commerce thing coming sure, out, you sure. know, that, that we really drive that. And, and together with all of those things, you know, you try to find the, the coolest opportunities. But yeah, there's some amazing stuff that's being done out there. And it's not just the sponsorship stuff. Yeah. I mean, there are charitable causes as well, which are, you know, guys are doing incredible, incredible work. That's good to know, because yeah. I think in South Africa, we all need these inspirational people who are changing the game. Absolutely. Um, you, you mentioned the new audience. What, is that Africa or is that people in South Africa that might not have had the opportunity to fly? Because I think we take it for granted. And then you hear stories of people that have flown for the first time, like, oh my goodness. I'm like, I'm such a douche. Like this person's never flown before. I take it for granted. We fly a couple times a month, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and they are probably, and your marketing and your research probably tells you that there are millions of people in South Africa that have never been on an airplane before. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's, I suppose, Indicative of the socioeconomic circumstances we find ourselves in. But at the same time, you want people to connect people. You don't want people to be sitting on 16-hour bus rides to yeah. visit family. You want to fly two hours to Cape Town or East London or wherever it is. Yeah. And I suppose, is that the new audience you kind of are, 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 are hinting at? So it is. I mean, I think it depends on what's going on in the business at any given point. You know, we might have a new product that is trying to expand into a new market by virtue of a new route that we're sure. opening, or it could be, you know, a new kind of uh, layer in terms of in terms of a business approach or something. But there is certainly an untapped and unflown audience, which is very key. You know, in the early days, unflown audience. I, 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 okay, I yeah. got you. I yeah. got you. In the early in the early days, we did a, a bit of research around it, and it was it was absolutely astounding to me. But I think it was in year two. 15% of the people that we were flying claimed to have never been on an aircraft before. 
And that, that was a great time because it was a time when we managed to come in and really disrupt the price yeah. points and we brought it down quite considerably and we were, we were sort of, I think, stealing a bit of that bus market at that stage. Um, it's less now, uh, you know, as a percentage of, of what's going on, but it was it was an awesome opportunity. Yeah. came with a few practical issues. Absolutely. You know, a lot of people <laughs> quite nervous, never <laughs> yeah. having been on an aeroplane before, a couple of delays avoided there with people not wanting to get on. Um, but we managed to, to learn how to deal with that. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, it was, it's, that, that's been an amazing opportunity in this journey. Because at the end of the day, yes, you have these incredibly huge pieces of metal that fly people around, but it's the pilots, it's your your cabin crew, it's the ground staff, it's everyone involved in making that experience better. So how much of a focus is that for you guys? Because you can say, you know, talk the biggest game in the world, mm. but it's actually f delivering on that big talk that gets people returning, isn't it? I mean, that's everything. Yeah. It really is. You know, we, we trade a commodity. I mean, that's that's the short kind of fact around it is that we, we fly the same kind of aircraft as other airlines. We operate through the same airports as other airlines. We can't fly any faster, yeah. you know, so price is a major factor in our game. And then anything that we can do beyond that to differentiate ourselves is absolutely key. Um, and that's where things like service, where on-time performance, those sorts of things come in because that gives us the ability to trade and not be at the mercy of, of the pricing game as much as what it is beforehand. Um, and it's absolutely fundamental. And it was one of the big decisions behind the sales as yeah. well you know the reality is we could put a whole lot of money into media and and spend a whole lot of money there or we could spend a whole lot of money putting our putting you know putting our money where our mouth is literally Absolutely. and putting people on the aircraft and letting them have that experience and see what it's like and then tell their friends about it which is which is sort of the intention well it certainly worked because you land now and you look around and you go is there only one airline in south africa <laughs> i'm sure there's you know and and I know when you started, it wasn't the case. It yeah. was a, it was a lot, but yeah. this sort of space at the moment and the way you guys are operating, I get the feeling that things are are progressing. I know potentially looking at more planes. You said you just added some and and yeah. new routes. Is that like does that excite you? I mean, Absolutely. because nine years of blood, sweat, and tears, you know, reaping those rewards, and that you are being able to take people to other parts of the country or even the continent. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, look, the the opportunity to break the borders is huge. I mean, it's incredibly exciting to us to be able to do that and to engage with those new markets and understand new ways of doing things and the ways in which products are sold to businesses, to individuals, to whatever it happens to be. I mean, it's a whole new game, yeah. and and I think for the marketer within that's a that's a fascinating opportunity. Uh, but from a personal perspective, it's also just been the most incredible journey because you know to be part of an organization that's had to undergo really phenomenal, really quick growth, brings with it a set of really unique challenges, which have been fascinating. I'm not saying we've done everything right. I'm sure there are plenty of things that we've done wrong along the way, but it's been an incredible opportunity that I don't think many get the you know the, the chance to yeah. do, to sit and actually work that out and say, well, how are we going to do this responsibly? How are we going to do this and not lose our culture, our level of service, yeah. you know, all of the things that we kind of strive to hold dear? Um, and it's, yeah, it's been a journey. I mean, like I say, like I'm so impressed and I'm, I'm fascinated by the whole journey because I've realized that there's not just a case of like, yes, we have an airline, has a billboard. It, yeah. it doesn't work like that. But for me, the the, the growth opportunities within Africa excite me um, because I love seeing South African brands flourish. And, and yeah. earlier, I, you know, hinting at the bus thing, yes, I understand that that plays a pivotal role. But from a timing point of view, 16 hours over a weekend is a lot of time, yeah. right? Yeah. Whereas you guys can, can bridge that gap. But the point I'm trying to make is just the impact you've made in South Africa as a whole because it's more than just being a carrier of people and, and taking people to destinations. You're connecting people. You're bringing loved ones together. And that pandemic, I think, 
sort of taught us a few lessons that life is short and we need to get stuff done and do it properly. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I kind of hinted at it earlier. I mean, that was that's something that we've taken very seriously is is there was, um, you know, look, we'll, we'll, we'll never be the national carrier. You know, that's not something that we will that we will do. That's a, that's the foray of another of another um, of another company. But there was a time back there where and it actually came up on social media quite a lot where that was a, a name that was being kind of bandied about against us. And it, it was it was quite a sobering moment because it really got us to sit up and sit back and think, okay, well, you know, what are the responsibilities inherent to doing that? We are a private company. Yeah. We're not state funded. So there's nothing that kind of, you know, sits around that. But, you know, what do we need to do to be true to that, to that kind of... Um, that mantle yeah you know how do we how do we carry that forward how do we celebrate south africans how do we ensure that we're doing what we do responsibly um and and it's and it's and it's quite a serious consideration for us um you mentioned the price point a little bit earlier on and and i know that i've seen on social media you guys get a lot of stick also for the algorithm and uh people are saying yeah how how can durban suddenly be three grand you know uh three thousand rand um how many dollars is that? That's yeah. Anyway, it's quite a lot of dollars for a flight. <laughs> but um, maybe just elaborate on that sort of algorithm because that's um, the the technical side of things also helps you guys and and how you price, where you price, and and what demand there is. I imagine on certain routes. That's it. I mean, you know, the the airline business is an interesting one. I mean, I mentioned earlier that it's like a commodity market, and that's mm. exactly what it is. We trade, you know, we trade and we take the price that we can get on the day. Um, and the tricky thing about operating an airline is that you can't only own aircraft and operate them when it's a good time to do so. And mm. equally, you can't employ a crew on a kind of pay-as-you-go basis. Yeah. You know, if you employ a pilot, you employ him full time. He's there the whole time. And if you if you buy an aircraft, you've got it all the time. So yeah. you need to fly it constantly. And there are days and times constantly all the time when we fly those aircraft at an absolute loss. And then there are times where we need to fly them at a bit of a profit so that we can actually make this business make sense you know, keep a few shareholders happy and, and be here again tomorrow with jobs to keep doing it, you know. Um, and it's not an incredibly profitable business. Yeah. I mean, the margins on this business are very, very thin. Um, it's 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 a wonder, actually, that anyone really invests in it. Sometimes old Warren Buffett certainly had a lot to say around that. But the algorithm effectively works on as a, on a, as a pricing basis. Yeah. So there's a, there's a time decay element to it, mm -hmm. um, but it's very much demand-based. So what you'll find is that we will always load the first seats on the aircraft at the best price. And as the aircraft fills up progressively, the seats become more expensive. So literally out of 189 seats, there are five at this price, two at this price, six at that price, however it kind of works out. And as they sell, they become more and more expensive closer to the time of departure. And it stands to reason that flights that are departing at really popular times sell out quicker and the prices rise much higher. And there are flights that just never sell out, yeah. um, no matter how you know low we try to keep the prices in that equation. Um, but at the end of the day, and in the space of a year, hopefully once you've kind of accounted for seasonality, you've had more flights that you've made a bit of money on than flights that you've lost a whole lot of money on. And and that's the way our game works. Yeah. Um, it's fascinating because I think it's the five to six to Cape Town. It's like crazy on a Monday morning. And, and then with semigration and people commuting, you know, demand uh, drives up. But at the moment, you mentioned about 80% pre-COVID levels, but are you finding like just with the more aircraft, you're filling them more? You, you know what I'm trying to say? Like it's a, so as the more flights you have, the more people want to fly. And because you the preferred carrier at the moment, um, you have the lion's share of the market. Uh, people are, are jumping on your airplanes. 
Yeah, look, I mean, we, we, we're much bigger than what we were beforehand in absolute numbers. So even though the market's maybe not back to where it was, I mean, we certainly are much yeah. bigger. So that's sort of a reality that we're facing, that there are just so many more people to deal with. In terms of an actual sort of um, percentage, we, we call it in the industry load factor. Mm-hmm. They have different names for it in hotels and all kinds of things, but ours is load factor, so the number of seats you fill as a percentage. Um, it's actually sticking kind of relatively similar to what it was pre-COVID times. Okay. Um, so so it is still it is still there, but it's it's great to see that people are starting to move and, and get around. And I mean, it just stimulates the economy yeah, on every level. You know, we need it. So can I take this like lingo and start dropping it at the airport as I'm walking? Oh, the load factor on that one. <laughs> Absolutely. Ray will kick me. <laughs> no, I don't know this guy. Who's this nerd? <laughs> yeah. um, but it is fascinating, the whole um, industry. And obviously there's global economic factors that also have a knock-on effect. I mean, you think Big of time. oil price and all sorts of things, the Russia-Ukraine situation. Yeah. That all plays a part and people don't realize that it has a knock-on effect even in the airline business, in particular in the airline business. So, I mean, that's our massive exposure, right? Mm-hmm. If we look at our operating costs, they're really like three three really big deals that affect us. It's the price of fuel, which is by far the biggest one, yeah. which is we're completely exposed there to the price of oil, as is you and I with our, yep. in our motor cars, um, and to the Rand dollar exchange rate, because obviously that has a big factor there. That has a secondary factor in terms of the ownership of our aircraft and the maintenance thereof, sure. because all of those aircraft are sold in dollars, and all of the parts and things are that we that we buy are, are purchased in dollar on, on a dollar basis, um, you know, Boeing's being an American company yep. specifically. Um, and then, of course, the other thing is, is salaries, you know, because we, we employ, you know, we employ qualified people yeah. that have got a, a, you know, an important qualification. I want, I want that guy, those guys up front or those Absolutely. ladies up front to be well qualified. So, so, you know, those are the three kind of biggest factors. Um, but those macroeconomic exposures are, are big. It's the dollar and the price of oil. Yeah. Drives it all. Um, in terms of, the next step for you, Kirby, I mean, nine years now with, with Safair, um, I get the feeling that you're still hungry, there's still fire in the belly. Mm. Um, what are some of the sort of, if you just dream with me a little bit here, what are some of the things you'd like to implement or bring in or, or, or change? I mean, is it is it uh, continuing relationships with like brands like the Springboks or is it, a, from a personal point of view, is it to do more for the sort of the charity side of, of South Africa, if I can put it that way. Well, I mean, I think it's all of those things. I mean, I think those opportunities are are, are really bountiful um, in terms of in terms of what we can do and the kinds of spaces that aviation touches to, you know, and the needs that it fulfills. So I think there is a lot of opportunities to do kind of meaningful things. And I think as a society and as a country and as business people in this country, we need to put a lot of focus on that. And I think we do. Yeah. You know, I think we, uh, again, you mentioned I've just been to the States and I mean, one can't help but become, uh, you know, kind of philosophical when you're traveling around and thinking about these things. And I mean, uh, you know, my kind of view when I was coming out of it is that the private sector in South Africa is fantastic. We've got some companies that do amazing things yeah. here, a lot better than what you see in other places. Um, and, and you know, they, we need to take full advantage of that. Um, and then there's the the idea of, you know, creating opportunities. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just, so, and, and it's one of the great things about the company I work for is that we're very open-minded and that we, um, you know, are keen to try new things. So it's kind of prototype something and fail fast if you need to. Uh, but if we can create opportunities for for work for exploring for other businesses to grow whatever it is um you know that that fulfills me so i'd like to do more of that what inspires you i mean uh, i can see like you someone i pictures you get up in the morning your cup of coffee um or tea or whatever it is coffee uh, good man uh and you're like hey 
that what about you know what I mean like I just get the feeling you're the type of guy that gets out of bed and you're like oh that could work let's try that you know you're constantly thinking ahead yeah I, I think it's just you know you, you got to keep it you know just try to keep an eye out for whatever's going on you know it's always it's always and I think what drove me to marketing in the first place is I'm always inspired by by trying to understand what's kind of getting people to tick you know and I think that's often what I find myself thinking about if I'm driving in traffic I'm always looking at the other people in the other cars and don't worry, I'm watching the road to a certain extent. I mean, enough. <laughs> but uh, you're looking at the people behind the wheels and you're yeah. thinking, well, where are you going? What are you doing? What's going on in your day? Yeah. You know, what's driving you now? How are you feeling about the fact that this traffic light's not working? And, and you know, what would change that in your life if that's the case? And, and I think that's what fascinates me. People, yeah. people fascinate me. Do you have particular sort of mentors or influences who, you know, on your career, or on you as, as a human being, who, you know, just sort of give you that sort of energy that you draw inspiration from? Um, I think it's hard to to kind of identify one. To be honest, I um, I tend to to flirt between them quite frequently. <laughs> but there's always there are always people of interest to to kind of take a look at. But I think if I have to draw upon one person that uh, has always kind of inspired me and who I've always thought was quite amazing, uh, was actually Archbishop Desmond Tutu. Okay, I just always found his approach to the world and his humility. Uh, to be absolutely awesome, and I think the you know that infectious laugh that he had was <laughs> was something that you know just seemed to always light up a room, no matter where he was. I never got the opportunity to meet the man. Um, I wish I had; it would have been amazing. But uh, yeah, I just thought he was a super cool person in our history. Kirby, you strike me as someone who's constantly positive. Um, he's looking for the silver lining and everything. But you mentioned traffic lights being out and mm. and the current challenges that face us as South Africans. Do you feel that there's still hope? I mean, and I'm not trying to put you on the spot here, but if you look around and you mentioned the private sector being as solid as it was and innovative and interesting, we do have some incredible people in mm -hmm. this country. But it's easy to sort of slip into that negative space and go, oh, no, South Africa's done. I need to mm -hmm. pack my bags and get out of here. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a hard thing. That's a reality that mm -hmm. we all face all the time. And it's, I think it is easy mm -hmm. to get down, you know, when you're sort of sitting in the dark and it's cold and you wondering what's going to happen next it, it it can be tough but i think the thing that i always try to remind myself of in those circumstances is that where there's flux and where there's change there's always opportunity and yes there will be there will be losers and there will be winners in that equation but it's not going to be the same and and i think if i was to find myself in a world or in a place where everything was predictable every day and everything was absolutely the same i think that would be quite dull you know, and South Africa is a place, and we know this about ourselves, yeah. we're a place with immense opportunity and so much natural resources and so many wonderful people. And, and yes, we need a few small things to go right for us. But if a few small things can go right for us in this country, I mean, the sky's the limit. It would just absolutely blossom. Could we take me back to the, the pandemic? Like a lot of people's jobs were on the line. I know at that time, South Africa was under immense pressure and the whole world was. Mm. Um, but what was kind of going through your mind at that time, considering the uncertainty? Because a lot of people faced the uncertainty. They didn't know if they had a job next week. And especially when government was like, sorry, no flights. Mm. I mean, mm. that's your bread and butter. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was, it was a harrowing opportunity. I mean, I remember going home, um, you know, and sort of sitting up in my, my little desk that I set up at home to kind of have the first meeting on the first day that we were all at home and thinking, well, what am I going to do with myself? Well, I mean, at that point, it was going to be like two weeks, right? What am I going to do with myself for the next two weeks? We're not flying. There's nothing going on. I don't think I've ever worked harder in my entire life <laughs> than I did during that period. And what really became very kind of apparent to us at first was, in my mind, the whole time was, how do we 
how do we kind of work with the team? Mm. How do we keep the team on sides? I mean, there were there were tough periods where where we couldn't pay people, where you know we had to ask a lot of the team, and and everybody wanted certainty, and and no one had it. Yeah, you know, and and that was the kind of hardest time. But I think you know focusing a little bit inward um, at that point was was absolutely key for us. Um, and I guess keeping busy was quite important because mm. you know it sort of stopped you from worrying. Or he's like a rocking chair, right? You can, keeps you very busy, but you don't go anywhere. Absolutely. Yeah. That's well said. I'm going to take another thing. <laughs> Ray, I'm going to drop that in the airport too, so <laughs> be ready for that. Um, but as a leader in the organization, uh, which you are, mm. um, I imagine you would have also, with that sort of internal dialogue, if, if you can put it that way, also answered a few questions about yourself or questioned a few things. Mm. But I think all in all, we've we've evolved from that into different human beings at the end of the day because – it also forced you, I suppose, to try and draw on some energy reserves that you might not have and sort of quell any potential uncertainty as best you could to your, your team and, and family members and friends too. Yeah, big time. I mean, I think the one thing that I kind of took away and that I've been ruminating on a lot since then is the importance of being um, – I don't want to say the importance of being honest because we're always honest, but the importance of maybe being forthright and kind of letting it be known what you're thinking, um, even if you don't have the answer. Um, and I found that to be of a lot of value, you know, when we chatted to our teams mm. and we sort of said, well, you know, these are, we don't have the answer. This is what we're thinking about. If, if that, then this, if that. And just sort of keeping the conversation going. Um, you know, I do I do the, a lot of the, the public relations for the airline mm. as well. And, I mean, it's always been a stance. There's... Uh, I could never spin a story. I can't spin something. You know, the reality is I literally can't because the truth will always catch you out. Sure, right? so, sure. so that's the kind of thing that you've got to always maintain um, at the end of the day is, is if you can keep that kind of honesty and, and if we can keep that going, I think that's the, the one thing that I came away with is don't say, don't say nothing. Say what's on your mind. Say what's going yeah. on, you know, what you're sort of thinking about and, and chat about it and be open to, to debate and criticism and thought. And, um, and it seems to help people relate quite well. Because with uh, the pandemic, everyone kind of thinks it was a bad dream. You know, it feels like, a, a, and rest in peace, all those people we lost. We did yeah. lose a lot of people, but it does feel like a dream. And, and I think now that we're moving into a new space as resilient South Africans, it's always like, wh what is the next thing? You know, we're always kind of looking for how do we better our situations, which, which, is, which is great. And I think... One thing that has come out of this with you guys flying more, more airplanes, more flights, has obviously come more complaints and more publicity. Oh, yeah. And you mentioned the fact that you do the public relations side yeah. of things. How do you react? Is it a case of answering as much as you can with honest transparency and saying, well, this is the reason we were delayed? Or is it a case of, you know, this is the story. Sorry, Mrs. X or whoever it is. Um, but this actually is what happened. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's exactly it. It's it's about kind of being honest and about being forthright. And, and it's about drawing, you know, interestingly, kind of drawing a couple of boundaries as well. I think the one thing that is quite key is, is that, you know, our business is complex. And I think in sharing the kind of behind the scenes thinking and the rationale behind things, it often helps people to understand what's going on. And when I say drawing a boundary is also the effect that, you know, we are at the end of the day, a private business that is there to make money. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing to apologize for in that regard. Yeah. We're not ripping anyone off. We're not going to town on or, or being unrealistic about anything. But if I need to explain why, you know, a flight from East London to Cape Town is at an inconvenient time of the day because that aircraft is better deployed on a Joburg Cape Town flight that makes a lot more money than the Cape Town East London one ever would, well, it's an economic decision. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and so be it. And when you explain the context, then it 
kind of makes sense and people understand and they go right well I get that you know we're all we're all here to to try and make the best of what we can um, so you know there are a couple of boundaries to draw there but yeah often it's just about giving context because Aviation is something we're all passionate about, something we love to do. It's something we like to talk about a lot. But it is also a very complicated game. And I've come to realize that having worked out, I walked in not even realizing the same thing. But I think, you know, with all due respect to business people, if you and I walked off the street and, and tried to make a go of a coffee shop, we'd probably have a pretty good chance of success yeah. there. But I don't think either of us would walk off the street as laymen and try to start operating a mine because we understand <laughs> yeah. that that's an incredibly complex Yeah, there's business. your hat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, start digging. Buddy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> But um, and and aviation's like yeah. there's a lot that goes into it that isn't obvious, you know. So no regrets. I mean, this this chapter's been it's almost a decade. I yeah. think that's amazing. No, none. Yeah, I love I love uh, you know I, lo I love South Africa. I, I love living in Cape Town. I love Joburg. Um, and yeah, it's been an amazing opportunity, a great company and a great industry. Mm. Um, never a dull moment. <laughs> I was about to say, your social media team must be pretty busy at times too, because in this day and age, and, and I suppose with your e-commerce. On your phone, you can do so much. Yeah. And I think that's exciting, but it's also terrifying at the same time because yeah. it opens the door for a lot of keyboard warriors. Mm, mm. Oh, this and this, Safed did that. Um, how do you deal with that sort of thing? Is it a case-by-case -case sort of thing or it's like, well, this is our brand. This is how we respond or this yeah. is the message we align with our brand. I mean, I think it's humility. I think it's understanding that a lot of times when people are critical, it's because they're incredibly passionate. And that's actually the thing that always appeals to me and that sometimes I have to remind myself about it quite actively. But when I read a complaint, and people might take a lot of time to write a very lengthy one, you often think, well, what, you know, what motivated this person to do this? Because, you know, maybe they felt an injustice was perpetrated against them of some sort, and, and that might be it. But it's, I don't think it often is. I think often... They, they see something that they like and that they appreciate and they're worried that it might be going in the wrong direction and they want to keep you honest. And if, and if you really think about that and about their passion for making sure that you are still around and that you're doing better, that's actually a massive compliment. And that's actually them really taking their time to care and to, to share their ideas and their thoughts and you know, and I, I mean, I ask for that in the recording at, yeah. the, at the end of the flights. And boy, we get it, you know, and <laughs> get yeah. it in the neck sometimes. I was going to say, you if you sure. haven't ever flown with my Safair, Kirby comes on at the end. It's not physically standing in the plane with a microphone, but it's a recording, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And you say, well, if you, you know, the things we can improve on please be in touch. And yeah, I think that's, that's yeah. refreshing. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And it's, and it's phenomenal. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's come out of there. That's really been food for thought that are, that are, you know, changes that we've implemented and, and things that we've done and, and, and or, or just opened our eyes into what people, what might've been obvious to us, but isn't necessarily to a consumer always, you know, that we could then maybe better communicate around and so on and so forth. So it's been very useful. Kirby, while I got here and, and speaking of your e-commerce background, and I don't know if I'm going to get you in trouble here. And we can always edit this out, Ray, if, it's, if it really does. But <laughs> Amazon is circling, obviously. Yeah. Take a lot have been doing their thing, and they've dominated the market for some time, obviously, the Kalahari tech line. Do you foresee healthy sort of being a healthy thing for the e-commerce space, having a, a massive global company like Amazon come in and, and pretty much disrupt the market? Yeah, look, I mean, I think there, you know, there are a lot of them that are that are out there and that have been around for a while. I mean, about, gosh, I guess it was about 10 years ago, there was sort of a set of economic indicators that and growth indicators that sort of stuck up. There were a couple of red flags that that 
kind of suddenly popped up and you know the South African market was ripe and ready for sort of an e-commerce invasion and I think you know in many ways we in Africa and the third world at large you know we're fascinating examples we've got um, sort of mobile first technology mm-hmm. a lot of people that skip the desktop environment um, and that are quite open to these things our banking is very different to what you might see in terms of legacy systems in other more developed countries um, so I think it's phenomenal that we have that opportunity and that there's more and more that can be brought across um, you know I must admit I haven't engaged on the stats recently sure. but I mean at one point back then uh, the amount of retail in, in South Africa that was actually e-tail was a very small percentage there was still a lot of opportunity to come there now we see we're living in this exciting time where we're seeing these hybrid models all the things that the grocery stores are now doing Absolutely. I mean it's changed the way that we live and the way that we shop and the way that we move through our world created a lot of opportunities so I think it's great I think it's really interesting to see these companies start to emerge and to come into the market and it's amazing to me how the world is becoming so small I mean I I placed my first Sheen order last weekend. Okay, okay. <laughs> I've actually heard very good things. Yeah, I mean, I'm intrigued to see how it goes down. Yeah. You know, we we have a, a fancy dress coming up, and someone suggested that we look there, and we certainly could find some pretty fancy dress on there. <laughs> okay. So we passed I'll check it out. That out yeah. So I mean, it's interesting to see, you know, yeah. a big kind of international company, but geared to serve foreign markets, yeah. and and seemingly doing so quite nicely. Uh, one day when you eventually, I suppose. Bid farewell to your chapter with with the Sapphire. Well, maybe you won't. I'm I'm not sure. No one can really predict the future. But would you consider sort of a back into the e-commerce sort of space and apply what you've learned and and take it to that uh, new market or new chapter in your career? Because I, you strike me as someone, and I'm assuming here, but someone who likes to challenge themselves. And there comes a point in everyone's career where they reached a point where they feel they need a new challenge. Mm, mm. And eventually, with someone with your skill set, you mean you've got the MBA, uh, with the years of experience, is that something you would look at doing? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I mean, guess, you know, one thing I realized thus far is we don't really ever know if we can't predict where it's <laughs> going to take us. But but it certainly is something that interests me. So I can see I can see myself sort of continuing to follow that passion and and understanding, you know, the, the sort of the bit where the where the human meets the technology, mm-hmm. you know, where the human meets the computer and what kind of drives us to to make decisions on a on a smaller screen or a larger screen, you know, um, and, and, and what that sort of says about us as people. Kirby. I've got a few more minutes here, um, and then Ray's going to kick us out of the, the studio because he likes to flex on us when it gets <laughs> to a certain time. But what what excites you about your career at the moment and where you are as a human being? I mean, the yoga obviously plays a huge part in just your, your energy and just the way you operate. Um, and from a mental health point of view, just having that sort of balance in your life because it's an extremely stressful industry that you're in. Yeah, yeah. But what excites you about where you are in your life at the moment and what the future holds? So the amazing opportunity that I've had over the last nine years is that I joined a company that was starting out from scratch and we've been building a company. Um, and I often say to my boss, you know, as soon as it starts to become the reality that we're just running a company, I think I'll hang in my, I'll hang up my tile here. And you can have that conversation with, oh yeah, oh, that's amazing. Absolutely. No, he's a great guy. Yeah, no, so we can. And, and, and I think that's the reality. As long as we're building and breaking new town, you know, frontiers and, and trying new things and, and innovating and experimenting, I'm in. Yeah. You know. Lastly, how difficult is it to get two Boeings to fly over rugby stadiums? Because <laughs> those aren't n- your normal fly Safi pilots who are doing Cape Town to Joburg every day. I know they, sp- they have a special license to do yeah, that, right? Yeah. But just give us how stressful it is on a Springbok test match, yeah. planes going over the stadium. Very, and I didn't even fly it. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's very stressful. So th- it actually, they, they were both... Um, 
both ships were were captained and, and crewed by SAFE crew, the whole thing okay. was SAFE crew. But you're absolutely right, the guys do have special ratings and special, mm. special licenses to be able to do that kind of thing. Um, you know, and we've got phenomenal pilots in South Africa that are that are capable of incredible things. Um, and, you know, we're proud of the number of them that we have on our team as well. Uh, but it is no small feat. I mean, it's something that has to be really carefully executed, really carefully looked at. You've got to get a lot of um, special um, allowances from the Civil Aviation Authority for flights on the day. Um, you know, there are a number of factors to consider, weather, proximity to Vartikluf, other air traffic. Um, and the guys, you know, practice it really hard. So they actually do it in light aircraft first. They practice the runs, they practice the approach. Um, they do it in the simulator under several different circumstances, and then then they make the actual magic happen, which which still kind of gives me a. I was about to say yeah. when that goes over, it's incredible. Yeah, no, look, there's, I mean, it's it's uh, grown men cry. <laughs> <laughs> Kirby, I must thank you for your time. Thank you so much for coming in and sharing oh, thanks, your story. Man. We could talk for hours. Um, congratulations on a phenomenal job, and I, I honestly believe that things are only going to get better for for you and for the company and where the brand is at the moment and uh, you're keeping up uh, with sort of where you've been you've got you set the bar incredibly high so keep going because thanks, yeah i'm i'm a huge fan and uh yeah, keep up the amazing work oh thanks man yeah i know it's it's been fun so it's been an uh, it's been a blessing that's excellent thank you very much uh, kirby for your time and of course a big shout out to betway our proud partners check out betway.co.za for more information uh, thank you for joining us please like and subscribe and we'll bring you more fantastic guests right here on the cs2 plus show